Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. My name is Frank Silvestri. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not a Canadian. And Philly's really close to New Jersey, by the way. And I'm here to talk to you about why I am a Patreon supporter of Vishkana's Creative Control Podcast, the unique long-form exploration of music, comedy, art, geography, and so much more. Vish is an incredible interviewer who has a charming, disarming, funny, reverently irreverent style which feels a lot more like a conversation with friends than a podcast interview. These conversations have included talking to people like Jeff Tweedy, Nels Klein, Ira Kaplan, Dan Romano, Carson McCone, the white-hot lung Juliana Rialino, and one of my all-time favorites, the Sadies. So if you're like me and you find these kind of conversations vital, essential, and important, I hope you'll join me in supporting Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Jared Evan Sampson is a gifted and hardworking musician, songwriter, singer, and band leader currently based in his hometown, of Vancouver, British Columbia. Since 2012, Sampson has been the most consistent member of the prolific band Tough Age, which uh, hopscotched across Canada for a spell, shifting musicians along the way, but maintaining Sampson's penchant for witty, heartfelt, and edgy underground pop songs. The latest Tough Age album is a wonderful one called Waiting Here, which was jointly released by We Are Time and Bobo Integral, on June 16th, 2023, and prompted Jared and I to reconnect for a good talk about things like uh, how we both left Ontario to move to Western Canada in recent years, a discussion about uh, this region's unprecedented wildfire season in the summer of 2023, which was 
recorded before wildfires truly wreaked havoc in the Northwest Territories and British Columbia. Influential bands like Guided by Voices and R.E.M. and the Flying Nun Records roster. Being very immersed in comics and the debate about cinema versus superhero movies. A brief history of Tough Age, its cast of characters, and Jarrett's ability to maintain continuity. How Jarrett's bandmate Jesse Locke is doing these days. Working with new record labels, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly people who work there. I just saw a couple of them on the weekend. It was great. I got some records. It was fun. You can get records uh, from Blackbird as well. You don't have to live in Edmonton or Calgary where they have bricks and mortar locations. Just go to blackbird.ca Type in what you want. If they've got it in stock, they'll ship it right to your house. That's How do you beat that? Again, learn more at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 797 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Jarrett Evan Sampson from Tough Age, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Jared, how's it going? Hey, Vish, I'm good. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to see you again and have you back on the show. It's been a long time. I know. I Guelph, we, we are both on the other side of uh, this country since we last spoke. <laughs> That's right. I am from Ontario originally and was living in Guelph for the last time we convened for a radio broadcast slash interview thing. And at the time you were in Toronto, you were living in Toronto, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So that was, how long ago was that? I don't even remember. I forgot to look. It's been four, three, four, a couple. No, wait. Then there's the pandemic, which I yeah. think of as one big year. So it's been potentially six years or something like that. Maybe, something or, like that. I think it was yeah. Shame. So it's a few out, like three albums back because we had an album in the pandemic. So it's same for me time, time frame wise. I'm always like, I don't know. It was a while ago, but I think probably, yeah, 2018, yeah. 2019, maybe latest. Yeah, and so you know, this is this is a, a question I always ask people, but it's particularly uh, germane. Where in the world are you as we're speaking, Jared? Uh, I am at uh, my first and new home back in uh, Vancouver, BC. Uh, back in Vancouver, how are things going in Vancouver for you today? So far, so good. It's a it's a nice day. I live in a weird condo building. I live directly above a McDonald's that is currently venting uh, fry smell into my apartment. Oh, That's no. weird. It doesn't often happen. Um, but yeah, other than that, everything is uh, so far so good today. Yeah. Oh, man. How's Edmonton? How is Edmonton today? Edmonton's fine. Yeah, it's good. I, I mean, it's uh, the weather has been strange. It's been like extremely, as I'm speaking to you, we, we, went, we came out of like a very hot spell and now it got cold. My, my wife actually turned the furnace on from the uh, <laughs> air conditioner to the furnace setting on the thermostat, which we... I don't mean to brag, but we have both, and uh, that's new for us in this uh, 
that's one of the reasons we moved we from Ontario. We couldn't mm. uh, get a good house and uh, a roomy enough house. We did a two-bedroom with four people. So we were like, uh, we head west where the land is cheaper and <laughs> the jobs are plentiful because it turns out no one wants to live out here, I think, is where reason one of the reasons why. And uh, But it's nice. I, I do like it. But yeah, it's been sort of up and down. Uh, and then... You're in British Columbia, so I don't have to maybe explain this to you, but we've been talking a lot about smoke and fire. Mm. And so every day the air quality goes up and down and they say don't go out if don't go outside without a mask if it's not uh, if it's above 7 out of 10 and then anything below that's okay and it's very surreal and dystopian and uh, masks all the time for the air, Jared. Don't you what find that the air is not good all the time anymore? It's very strange, yes. Yeah. I feel here, I kind of got here after the worst of it. It was pretty bad last year, and then now Ontario's getting hit, and I'm like, oh, poor, my poor friends. Now, yeah. welcome. Here we go. The Yeah, the new world where you're just like, is the air poison today? Yes, it's very Let's weird. Check. So I, I will cop to that. That's been weird. Uh, but that's not an Edmonton thing. I, you asked about Edmonton, and you're right. Uh, when I lived in Ontario my whole life before moving here in 2019, and... Uh, can't recall uh, air quality warnings due to smoke, and yeah. everyone on the East Coast and Ontario, and every so it's everywhere. It's it's the whole planet. So I, I uh, but I first experienced this stuff coming here for the summers uh, to mm-hmm. visit my wife's family, and then thought that seemed like a good place to live. Remember that time <laughs> we went there, and like the whole second half of the week we couldn't do anything because it was smoky. Uh, let's move there. And then now it's <laughs> everywhere. So anyway, everything's relatively fine. I, I will say thanks for asking. Um, congratulations on the latest Tough Age album. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's I'm happy it's out. It felt like a, a again the weirdest album release I've ever had. And I put my last one out during uh, the height of the pandemic. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's really nice to have it out in the world. Yeah, thanks for it. Yeah, thank you. It's lovely. My wife uh, and I were listening to it again today, and uh, it's been playing in the house uh, over the last uh, week or so, and uh, my wife finally made a comment. She's like, this is really, what is this? Are they from, are they from England? Where are they from? And I said, no, it's (laughs) Tough Age from, she didn't know what it was. It was just playing while I was making everyone breakfast. And I said, no, it's a Tough Age from, uh, I think they've got a New Zealand influence in a way. And I said that. And she's like, oh, okay. Now I, she's just picking up on something. And I don't know if it's about your voice. Does that resonate with you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think I was just uh, going over that today. I think there's always about one song or record where I let myself get away with singing in a British accent. Uh, I mean, coming from loving Gotta Buy Voices, you're like, hey, it's a fine move. But uh, on the opening track, I definitely say like Ratha. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's I'm from BC. That ain't me. But I mean, yeah, obviously, New Zealand has uh, always been a huge thing for me. I discovered... So many of the like New Zealand Flying Nun and like Expressway and yeah. stuff bands when I was a teenager, um, because I was sort of in that wonderful era of uh, music blogs, mm-hmm. and there was the Kiwi Tapes blog and uh, that I found through a Gotta Buy Voices message board, and uh, yeah, all this like amazing music that just uh, you know, as someone who likes the guitar, was like, oh, they're playing the guitar. A lot better than other yeah. people <laughs> in nineteen 1970s, 80s New Zealand. So, I mean, yeah, always the forefront still in my mind. So not a British accent or a New Zealand accent, but a, a British Columbia accent. Is that <laughs> a better way? Yeah, yeah, that's. I think so, which I think tends to sound more American. People always think I'm American. Oh. I had that a lot in Ontario, too, um, because of sort of the Cascadian effect. 
But yeah, as a singer, you're going to go British. It's just such a classic like pop rock accent, the British accent. It was. It was. It, it, it. I know that that is sort of part of the um, album. Uh, promotion, I suppose, like these sorts of influences. And then my wife, mm-hmm. as I say today, picked up on something from over across the pond. I yeah. can't help but pick up on like 80s REM. Is that even a thing for you? Oh, oh gosh, yeah, 100%. Okay. Uh, that's, that's the one I think is funny because it's so overt to me. But I feel often you serve up what you want people to reference in your press release. Yeah. No knock on anyone, but they're like, I think I hear a little... Yola Tango. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I mentioned them this album. Yeah. I hadn't mentioned them before, and all of a sudden it's everywhere. But REM, 80s REM is one of my life-changing things, because when I was a kid, I don't understand albums, and I heard Losing My Religion. And I'm like, I like that song. How do albums work? I'll buy this REM cassette, or get my mom to. So that's eight or nine years old, and I bought uh, Fables of the Reconstruction yeah. by mistake. And then oh, I'm like, that, like mistake. Just, yeah, I didn't know. I'm like, R.E.M., this is the band that does that religion song. Yeah. It's got to be on here. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm eight years old, and my favorite song is, uh, yeah, Maps and Legends. So, yeah, 80s R.E.M. is uh, huge. And then a couple of Halloweens ago, we did an 80s R.E.M.-specific cover set. Me and Wade is now playing in Tough Age, and Loren and Jesse. Um, and, yeah, we did, like, a... All the like, oh, all like Chronic okay. Town and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Lo- so love it. So yeah. I I am on the mark. I'm not off the mark. I, I noticed. Like, You're I, right on. Oh, okay, right on the mark. It's this is weird. I I just had a conversation with uh, recently with a One Hundred Dollars. They reissued their album. Oh yeah. Forest of Tears, and we went on this REM tangent. I don't remember where it came from, but I mentioned that I recently because my friend was selling all of his his records. His mother was moving and blah blah blah. I have a vinyl copy of Out of Time by R.E.M., which I've never oh. owned on vinyl. And when I looked it up, I'm like, oh, my God, people are paying an arm and a leg for that. I don't know if it's been reissued or if it's out of print. Uh, but uh, And maybe it's – I didn't even – I was like, whatever. I just like R.E.M. I'll just take yeah. whatever you have. I was just like – it was such a <laughs> long list. I'm like, yeah, I'll take Out of Time. It seems like it's in decent condition. Anyway, that weird – that record just keeps coming up on my show or that era of R.E.M. <laughs> and that's not what I'm hearing, by the way, on this – on this record oh, yeah. per se. So anyway, that's 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 fascinating. Now I yeah. I want to ask we've talked about the hopscotching uh geographically mm-hmm. across uh Canada. You mentioned that Vancouver Vancouver is where you're from. Is that right? Vancouver's where I yeah, I grew up here yeah. and then yeah, moved out on uh to Toronto. So that's so, and then moved back. And then you move back. So let's get yeah. those are two very um expensive cities uh to yes. live in. So there's uh sometimes I talk to people of, of late, uh, Jared and They've moved from a metropolis to like a smaller or slower sort of area of the country, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and things are a little more affordable. These sorts of things and affordability seems to come up a lot. The material conditions of being an artist in this day and age. But like I say, you went from Vancouver, uh, which mm-hmm. on any given day is the most expensive city to live in in Canada, uh, to Toronto, which on any given day is the most expensive city to live in Toronto, uh, in Canada. Sorry, I'm misspeaking. Yeah. Anyway, I'm kind of making jokes. Let's just talk about why you moved to Toronto uh, in the first place, and then mm-hmm. obviously why you decided to move back to Vancouver. Yeah, I think that somewhat uniquely, uh, not to position it, it says, oh boy, but most people <laughs> I, I knew uh, living in Vancouver, especially through art scenes, came here, and they would have grown up even saying like Campbell River or Salmon Arm or somewhere and come to the city for school. But I grew up in Vancouver. So my parents moved here from Winnipeg when I was three months old. 
So they moved at a time when it wasn't unaffordable. And so I was here. So again, all my family is also still here, which I think is often part of the yeah, uh, family people move. Be, or some, sure. yeah, yeah. I have, my parents are both here in the city. Um, my brothers are both, they're out a bit because of this affordability, but you know, Squamish and Coquitlam. So very close at hand. So everyone was here. And then similarly, uh, when we moved to Toronto, Penny is from Toronto, grew up in Toronto, family from the city. So we moved back because her mom and her siblings were there and um, they have all since left. None of them are still living in Toronto now. But yeah, that was her upbringing as well. So when we went to move, she had actually, and I'm sorry to all my friends in the lovely city of Ottawa, but she had wanted to move to Ottawa. And I said, I'm not moving to Ottawa. <laughs> so, so Toronto was sort of the compromise because Penny didn't enjoy growing up there. Um, but, but same, I felt I didn't enjoy growing up here. Yeah. And then I'm back and I'm enjoying it much more. But Toronto was sort of the compromise. I just yeah. want to interject because I, I laughed at mm. you. I have friends in Ottawa, lovely friends. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, playing in Ottawa uh, as a musician and visiting Ottawa. But I've talked about this on the show. It's kind of came up recently with the artist uh, Kai, Kai Brooks, uh, who spent time mm. living in Ottawa. And we talked about how there's like a chip on people's shoulders in Ottawa. Uh, I, I feel like there's often a chip on, on uh, people's shoulders in Canada who don't live in Toronto because Toronto mm. gets a lot of attention. Ottawa gets a lot of attention. It's a, the political capital of the country. So people focus a lot of resentment on Toronto and Ottawa when they live outside of those uh, cities. When you said to Penny, who, by the way, for those listening, Penny is your partner. Is that correct? Yeah, it's my wife. Your wife. And who used to, was in Tough Age and is no, no longer in Tough Age. Age. And I want to ask, yeah. we'll get into membership changes because it seems like it's been a lot of mm-hmm. musical chairs, quite literally. Um, <laughs> and we'll get into that. But uh, when you say to Penny, I do not, under any circumstances, and I'm putting words in your mouth now, want to no, live in not. Ottawa, Ontario, what, why? Why did that come to your mind at that time? <laughs> I similarly, I have so many wonderful friends. <laughs> Playing there is always great. But part of the unaffordability you were talking about growing up around is I've always had a day job and I've always worked. I've worked full time since I was 15 Yeah. Um, in other fields. And I like that because it sort of allows me to do what I want with my art. Ottawa is not a city that I could move to and find employment in the very niche fields that I am employable in. And I do not speak French because one of the other right. problems about growing up out west is they let you drop out of that as soon as you want. And they're like, oh, go take Spanish. Go take Japanese. I'm like, sure, let's explore that. Now I will be fluent as a teen in nothing. Right. Great. Right. So Ottawa, especially a city, so many jobs and people I know work in fields that require, you know, speaking both languages. And I'm not, I can't do that. I couldn't get by. I'm not, I'm not, I can't make it in Ottawa. I can make it in Toronto because I know how to live in a city that just hates that you're there so much. <laughs> They're like, get out of here. Like, I'm staying. Like, don't, you can't get rid of me. Um, I'll make what I want in this oppressive city. But a city that sort of like allows you to live, I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to drown. That I'm is, good enough that's fascinating. That's fascinating. The more accommodating <laughs> the city is to its citizens, the less you feel like you can thrive. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you need adversity. You need some, you know, disconnect, yeah. I suppose. Just uh, for, for my own interest, and I, I suppose other people listening, when you describe your vocational 
uh, attributes mm. and strengths. This isn't a job interview, by the way. What uh, <laughs> What is your core uh, sort of uh, skill set, if you will? Well, I get I'm, that's a good question. I, I essentially work in a, a events planning at this point, but I've worked in comics um, oh. since I was in my early 20s. So I've worked in comic shops and then on comic festivals. I worked in Toronto at the the comic shop The Beguiling Books and Art and for the Toronto Comic Art Festival. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'm the kind of guy then also through all the shows in The Beguiling oh. basement because I'm like, oh, this looks like a space you can do shows. So I came back here to take the position as festival director for the Vancouver Comic Arts Festival. So oh. I know a lot about comics, but I don't make them. So that's sort of my career. And then before that, I worked at Rogers for years when I was young. Rogers Video, but I moved into sort of like merchandising at Rogers Video oh. and realized I hated that. So I like working in like the art still, um, which also doesn't pay you that well, yeah. as <laughs> you believe you know. Yeah. And um yeah, so but it kept me going. And so I I think those scenes like, you know, it's a good vocation to be struggling a little bit because you kind of condense and find that scene in a city that big. Like you're going to find it. And that's like Toronto, the comic scene in Toronto is, and music too are both so amazing. Yeah. I think because of that oppression, the city that's like leave, move to Hamilton at best. <laughs> that's right. That's all that's a lot of what seems to happen in Ontario. That kind of migration, I suppose to Slightly smaller, but still big cities. So you are interested in comics, but are involved in a kind of administrative aspect of it. Um, did you, are you mm-hmm. an illustrator at all? Nothing. I I got. I have no I have no skill sets, which some could say has not stopped me to pursue other artistic <laughs> endeavors. But uh, yeah, I really love comics. Comics and music are the things I love. But for me in comics, um, because I know I can organize, I really like being in positions where I can take all that off and like for people in those roles. And that's something too why I like throwing shows is I like to uh, take on these things like responsibilities or roles to assist other people in like flourishing and music. I feel I can do both comics. I'm just a really good retailer. I'm really good at setting up the events. I can, you know, solve a problem, like put a fire out, at, you know, if something's going on. Yeah. I like that. It's sort of just like a way to enable and help people in communities and very often also lead to paying them in my current job, right. which I, I love so much. You like paying people. I love paying people and I love not giving notes. Oh, yeah. Because I'm self-aware enough, yeah, to know if someone hired me to make music and then said, oh, what if? I'd be like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> Guess you don't want the music, right? <laughs> Why would you ask me to Very change? good. No, that's good. You know yourself. That's good to, you know. I tried it. Yeah. yeah. You know, as we're speaking, and I don't mean to go on a great tangent here, but as we're speaking, there is a a real dialogue about comic books in film. Um, mm. And whether or not that's a good or bad thing uh, for filmmaking, I'm sure you're aware of. You're on the Twitter. I see it all the time. So I'm I sure, or, or on social media, maybe even at this point. But yeah, you'll, you'll. I'm sure you're familiar with Martin Scorsese's opinions and how that's been memed and whatnot. Uh, Scorsese is among the and Coppola, the old school filmmakers, mm-hmm. are among the ones being like, it's fine if you like comic book movies, but this is not cinema. These kinds of terms and 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 then they get backlash for being too highfalutin and uh you know i uh, have instituted a, a movie night in my house and mm-hmm. everyone in my so there's my wife and two young children and we all get a shot at picking a movie and uh you know we just went through the indiana jones 
quadrology. I don't know what the the name of a four movie thing. We haven't watched the yeah. new one yet, but uh, those are kind of comic book oriented. But I never thought of them that way as a kid. They were just cinema mm-hmm. and good movies. But when my son in particular would be like, let's watch a Marvel movie, I'm like, okay. And then at some point, I have like Martin Scorsese on my shoulder being like, this isn't really a movie. And and then I got it now. I'm like, yeah, is this a movie? Sorry, this is where I'm coming from. I like, I've seen them all. I enjoy them. But when I get into the dial into like, is this actually filmmaking or is this just all computer imagery and explosions all the time? Mm-hmm. What, you know, there's every once in a while like a little bit of a joke. A little bit of dialogue. Anyway, I'm really being reductive. What is your take in in your community, maybe, about the mainstream yeah. uh, discussion about the uh, uh, significance of the rise of comic book films and their success? And now, I think, like all movies, their failure. What do you make mm-hmm. of what's going on in terms of comics in the pop culture these days? Well, it's interesting because the comics uh, communities that I'm in are actually very like adjacent to that. But very more like the highfalutin side of comics, right? Like the oh, same sort of thing. Like they're drawn in quarterlies, your fanographics, doing stuff that's like the same idea, like the Martin Scorsese's of the comic book world. <laughs> but yeah. I obviously came to that from being like, I like when Spider-Man punches someone. And yes. I have a great love of those comics still as well. Um, that was one of my unique qualifications at The Beguiling, well regarded as like the snobbiest store of all time, mm-hmm. uh, is that I could work on the main floor and talk about like, all that stuff and be like, oh, you want to come down and get an art comic, but I can also tell you what happened in Amazing Spider-Man number 372. Yeah. Uh, the movies, I think, are absolute hot garbage, and I don't <laughs> even watch them anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I, every now and then one breaks through, but like, it's the monkey's paw reality where if you had told me as a child like they're going to make a Black Widow movie and you're not even going to watch it because you don't care, I'm like, I will be there opening night. Yeah. I also think there is a thing sometimes, and I have sympathy as someone who makes sort of ostensible dumb dumb music and thinks about it a lot. You know, I said like the in music the art the music you're allowed to consider art is like noise music or like I mean like and it is like Bill Orcutt that's art. But if you're in a band playing guitars, they're like, well, that's that's not art. Yeah. But I think about it a lot. But I do think there's like a rub where people are like. What I like also has to be the best or has to be intelligent. And as a kid, I was so interested in film too. And like 16, going to the Cinematheque here in Vancouver and watching like every Ozu movie and being like, this is incredible. Or like all the documentaries of Nicholas Philbert and being like, this is art. I was still going home and watching Hard Target on TBS. And I'm like, I love this movie so much. But I wasn't like... I wasn't writing, you know, being like, this is so, I'm so smart and people don't appreciate this. It's the same. I'm like, well, it's great, but they're not, they don't have to be the same level. And comic book movies, I think, had, became that so much. This idea as well that like, like Scorsese's just like, I mean, and then all that reduction of like, well, he masculine stereotypes. I'm like, go watch Silence and tell me, you know, like you've seen one of his movies and then they made a Scorsese comic book movie, and it was awful. <laughs> that Joker movie. I'm oh. Like, oh, boy. Whew. 
It's sort of like... Oh, like, you mean they, make... they remade The King of Comedy as Joker? Is that what you mean? Yeah. yeah. It's just so clearly like inspired yeah. by those who are trying to be Taxi Driver or those early like Mean Streets even a little bit. Well, no, there. Joker you know, like... is clearly King of Comedy. Like, clearly. Yeah. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. they cast De Niro in it, for crying yep. out loud, as, as Jerry yeah. Lewis's character. And yeah, no, I... Uh, it's... Yeah, like, can't I just have King of Comedy and a Batman movie like why do they gotta be together do you, do you think there is a hi- okay so here's a thing as I say this stuff to you uh, my mm-hmm. we for was it for family movie night yeah we couldn't pick something and I don't remember whose choice it was but we wound up watching the Sam Raimi Spider-Man the Tobey Maguire oh, yeah. Spider-Man and then my daughter liked it so much that we spent the next day uh, on this as, as Jared and I are speaking it was a long weekend in Canada we we uncharacteristically had a second consecutive movie night and we watched Spider-Man 2. Very entertaining. Somehow oh, yeah. this is from this is what are those from like the mid 2000s or something or just after 9/11 yeah, early 2000s. I think. Yeah. yeah. So I um enjoyed them and they felt smart and they felt like they had a good story. Uh and then weirdly uh Superman 2 was on the on the television which was a big movie for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Makes absolutely no sense. Nothing. I, as I was watching, <laughs> wow, nothing they're doing makes. Why would he do that? Superman trips and falls. Why would Superman, even as Clark Kent, <laughs> trip and fall and give his identity away? That didn't make any. And nothing made uh, nothing made any sense. But do you think there was a high point uh, for these kinds of films? Because, and I don't, I don't know if you care for them or are going to buy what I'm saying. But I mm. found the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, Batman trilogy, to be. Very engrossing. I still watch them from time to time. I'm rewatching that show Succession on the mm-hmm. HBO. I realize I just started watching that. You never <laughs> seen it. I'm realizing now from the shots and the music and the way the tension swells in this drama about finance and family. Mm-hmm. There, I feel there's a huge influence from Christopher Nolan uh, on on that series that I haven't heard anyone really ever talk about. And specifically, like, there's all these, like, crane shots of the cityscape, or, or drone shots, I should say, these days, of the cityscape at night and swelling music. And it really, I'm like, holy shit. This is like, this reminds me, how, why does this remind me of the dark night? These black cars <laughs> driving in the New York street, streets. Anyway, sorry, I'm really on uh, several tangents no, here. No. But do you think there's a high I watermark for that, where the cinema part, like the purest cinema and storytelling and the comic book worlds kind of have collided in any unique way? Well, I think those Spider-Man movies are good because they understand they're adapting Spider-Man comics. So they're kind of ridiculous. And Sam There's Remy something fun about them. Yeah. Things. yeah, yeah. Now it's sort of like, again, it's just, like for me now it's sort of, and actually the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies I can't stand for a similar like reason. Okay. I don't like them because it feels it's like, what if these characters were just like the military I'm like, yeah, well, I don't enough. like the military. Uh, less so on that one. And I do appreciate the Christopher Nolan movies' uh, dedication to ridiculous voices. Yes. Um, I really enjoy that. But I, and putting, yeah, and I putting Tom Hardy in masks. I so love he was, Tom. He was yeah. Bane. And then in Dunkirk, I'm like, is he Bane again? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Dunkirk, but he's flying around. And he, the most yeah. of the movie, he's wearing a mask. And I'm like, yeah. poor Hardy. Like, he can't ever show his face. Yeah. In a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Oh, weird. that, and that's, yeah, that's the takeaway from those for me is like me and Fran just being like, and this gives you power over me. <laughs> and you're like, I love his ridiculous voice. And he committed. <laughs> so, and I think they're even like him, like Venom. I saw Venom. I had been in Japan. 
when it came out for about a month and I wasn't yet fluent enough to really speak and I hadn't had a good conversation and I watched Venom and it was a weird reintroduction to hearing and understanding the language that you speak and I loved his commitment so I'm like that might be my high water mark it's right. like a it's like a Laurel and Hardy movie it's ridiculous right. yeah. but as for actual good movies yeah, oh, I don't know. I mean, I like that <laughs> first Superman movie a lot. Um, the I first think. one with Marlon Brando, yeah. and yeah, that one's good. I like yeah. that. One. Yeah, I like those ones quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think as a kid, I just like I was reading all those comics, and I was still going to see the Human Condition. Yeah, and it's like these are two things that I can take in. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, well, and the first maybe I will say. One. So I was. Uh, 11 or 12 when the Tim Burton Batman came out and I think that really relaunched this notion of these movies after the Superman series mm. kind of petered out um, Superman 4 and 3 and 4 were quite, oh yeah yeah so the Batman movie came out and I, I was telling my wife I still at my parents house I have the Batman cereal box I have the Batman giant slushy slurpy cup and I have all <laughs> the, I had everything I had magazines I loved it and that's my guy. So I appreciate yeah. what you're saying about the Nolan thing, and I hadn't really pondered how militaristic it was. Um, but but I, again, I'm like, everything everyone enjoys, no one's right or wrong about yeah. any piece of art, I feel. And that's maybe also the thing on that. I'm like, all art is subjective. You like it or you don't. Yeah. I I get. I don't like when people grandstand. And I think like when you're passionate, you often sound like you're saying something's wrong. But it's like... Yeah, again, I love Hard Target. Like it's a great movie. Yeah. You know, I stuff like that. I, you know, there's lots of uh terrible things that I love so much. I and watched also, uh, Twins the other day. Yeah. Twins. Oh god, I, yeah, I love Twins. It's good. It's ridiculous. It, it, it yeah, held up good. somehow. We were like, "Yeah, it's actually pretty good." So, uh <laughs> anyway, sorry, quite a number of tangents there, but I wonder <laughs> if your immersion in comic books and comics uh has influenced you as a songwriter uh or as a musician in any particular way. Uh, I can't at the ready suggest I can see some parallels or mm. or connections, but what about you? Do you think it's helped you or, or informed your narrative skills or your writing in any way? For sure. Um, I mean, outside of even, if you look at the art, the art on our albums has gone even from me doing collage of old romance comics on the first cover to then from Shame On, it's all been comic artists. As Patrick Kyle did the cover to Shame, and Connor Williamson, another great artist, did the cover to Which Way Am I? And then uh, Hugh Nguyen just did our cover for Waiting Here. All amazing comic artists. And I also, in the writing, I think when I was young, I was really into uh, continuity. And in comics, you, you know, one of the things I loved as a kid is I'd just go to the comic shop and buy an issue of Daredevil. And you're reading it, and he's like, oh, like the last time I met Stilt Man. You're right. Like, what? And there's a little note, and it says, like, see Daredevil number right. 182. Yeah. And then I'd be like, I got to find that one and, like, make a list. And I think similarly, a thing that I would never expect people to pick up on, but as I said, I think a lot about my ostensible, like, dumb guitar music. There's a lot of connections and through lines and story songs where there's other songs about the same characters from one's past or even on this album i mean our new album opens with a song that is another version of the song that closed our last album mm. uh, in a new form so continuity was a big thing that yeah. i really liked and sort of like having these small connectors within my work that you can still enjoy and I mean I think everyone can enjoy though picking up on them because I doubt anyone ever has but that's a real thing that comics taught me or gave me a love of is that like 
I guess also reading CD booklets as a kid, is there's always deeper you can dig. And there's something, there's a connection that you may not be seeing that doesn't subtract but can add if you uh, if you want to build the world for yourself. So not exactly Easter eggs, but mm. but if you're but if you're, sorry, Easter eggs are an interesting concept because for those unfamiliar with something, they never know that it was an Easter egg. They just accept it. Yeah. But for those who are deeply immersed in a world of comics or bands, uh, and liner notes were huge for me. Uh, also, as a as a kid, I would read them voraciously just because I thought, yeah, you know. Uh, even the thank yous, like, oh, they're thanking so-and-so. Who is that? And then you'd learn more about that producer or that so-and-so. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so they become Easter eggs to the fanatics among us, I guess. Like, oh, yeah. oh wow, the Tough Age is starting their new album with basically the same song they ended their last one with. That's mm-hmm. that's a little nod to me as a fan, as a follower. It's a little treat, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, continuity and Easter eggs are very similar. Yeah. And um, just that through line. Hi, Penny. Yeah, I see Penny um, in the background there, walking around your yeah, place there. Yeah. It's probably drawn Over. to the French fry um, smell. Where's that coming from? <laughs> I got to get some food. Is that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm aimed right at our whole apartment. <laughs> this is the downside of moving back to Vancouver. You live in 400 square feet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think those have a similar notion to it. Where, yeah, it's something, and it isn't going to skip the needle if you don't get it. Um but yeah, just something laid that if you're paying attention or cared to figure out that there's uh, something to pick up on. And I think maybe the difference is with the continuity. There's ones people would never pick up on unless I said. And that's, say, like to me, there's a song on our second album called Castigation. And then the character, one of the characters from that song is also the protagonist of the song Possession on Which Way Am I? Right. And there's no way to know that. But when I'm writing it is I'm still referencing yeah. back to that that um so yeah i i don't i just no, find that interesting that, for myself super yeah. fascinating and i guess i i wasn't sure as i lobbed this question out if comic yeah. books might influence a musician and a songwriter but clearly it has like that narrative yeah yeah okay i really like drawing even outside of music or anything i like to draw inspiration for what i'm doing not from things that are very parallel to what I'm making. Yeah. Um, so even it's like, yeah, like I love um, 80s R.E.M. I love The Laws. And these are things I'm thinking of sonically making the record. But when I'm making my records, most of the time I'm listening to harsh noise and and like folk music, like Morris dancing. Oh. I'm really into like the rhubarb right now, oh. like Afghani rhubarb. I'm like... Like, that's what I'm listening to when I'm making pop music. Right. And so similarly, I like to think about, like, yeah, books I've read and, you know, comics and things. So for sure, it's a huge influence on, like, how I shape what I'm doing. You contain multitudes is what I'm hearing. And that's <laughs> that's great. No, that's nice. That's good to hear. Speaking of continuity and characters, I want to get back to what mm-hmm. I was saying earlier about the membership changes. Um, mm-hmm. And even um, it sounds like, and I don't know enough about this, so I want to leave it to you. It sounds like the continuity in Tough Age is that you are reconvening with people that you used to play with uh, in moving back to Vancouver and in these sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. So you got a job in Vancouver, and that's why you left Toronto. But the band membership has also changed uh, as of this record or recently I, you know what again uh, I miss, quite a bit I yeah. miss speaking can you talk about yeah. um, the membership of Tough Age now and and, and sort of where it has changed oh, in recent sure. years yeah uh, also I just need to go back and acknowledge that was an all time good 
transition into talking about this. That was a really good segue. The, the character and continuity thing? Yeah. yeah oh, I, man, that was great. I'm a semi-professional at this point. I You are a very professional, but that was still, <laughs> I was like notably very good segue. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. I like a good segue. And uh, <laughs> when you don't have any notes, uh, you have to listen. That's my thing. I got to listen. And all the questions are in whatever you said. And then I realized, mm-hmm. whoa, Eureka, I got a segue on my <laughs> lips here on my tongue, tip of my tongue. I can't wait to do this segue. So thanks for pointing that out. We're getting a little meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think the lineup has changed so many times. And I really, part of, it's part of personal growth, too, is I think in the beginning, we started in Vancouver, it was myself and Penny and uh, Loren, who's back playing bass, and our friend Chris Martell on drums. And that was the first two records, the core lineup. But even within that time, Penny had gone temporarily to Ottawa. So my friend Jay Clisby, I used to play in Apollo Ghost with, uh, had joined on guitar for a while. And then you'd go on tour, and Chris couldn't go on tour. So our friend Mac, who plays in lots of bands, is in uh, Joe Past, some other things, would come on tour. Then we go on a bigger one. Our friend uh, Kate is going to come play drums. Uh, And then, oh, like Penny's back. And uh, so Jay is going to do this. And like, it just like kept changing. So when we moved to Toronto, I had this idea that we would still keep it going and sort of do Tough Age West, Tough Age East. But in hindsight, that's also a very selfish way to do it. It's like I get to have every version and I was taking something from the people on the West Coast mm-hmm. and not extending full band status to the people on the East Coast. So at that time, it was the old band. And then in Toronto, we were playing with Jesse and uh, our friend Paul, uh, Paul Lawton. And then I was like, this is not sustainable. We had gone on a big tour and I kind of just had to be like, we need to figure this out. We had had someone leave because they didn't like that. And uh, you're like, I got to get figure this out. So we reconvened and just became Penny and Jesse and I. And uh, that was sort of like a, a weird decision. Or I was like, is it a different band? What do we do? But I still really felt like it was the continuation of what I had been doing. As the years have gone on and having gone through all this again, I'm like very much more come open to the idea of a band as that group of people. And I think of something like a band like The Bats has just been the same four people for 40 plus years and they just do it. And there's such a power in that that I felt I was losing by acknowledging that I love the personalities that bring something to your music because it changes it in ways you'd never make the same song with uh the same person playing bass on your music well like i needed to recognize how much that meant to me and stop being selfish and being like i but i want to keep going i want to do this so we had had that three-piece lineup and uh became just penny and jesse and myself and we did our last album, and then the pandemic hit uh, right after I'd done a U.S. tour visa, which is oh, money down the man, toilet. Yeah. And during that, as, yeah, that as well, like Penny had been playing in um, with Jesse as well in uh, Chandra, in the band Chandra. Oh, yeah. And they had done some bigger things. Um, I always like to repeat when they played Primavera Sound and I was at home in Toronto. She was like, about to go on stage, and I was eating cheese in my underwear. <laughs> I was like, there you go. Yeah. But so Penny, I think, just also... Tough Age had always been at a level where it didn't allow a lot of forward momentum career-wise to take next steps. And she was feeling like we were just in this valley that kept her from making music in a smaller scale or a bigger scale because we were never going to go bigger. 
So she, I could sort of feel like she really wanted out for a while. And uh, Penny and I's communication is usually amazing. Like Penny is the greatest person I know and our relationship is the foundation of my life. And it was very strange to be like, but I feel like you don't want to play music anymore. And she wouldn't really commit to it. And that was during a lot of the making of the last record. So I had sort of decided, especially as we contemplated moving back to Vancouver, like this is going to be it because I'm not going to go back find another drummer like jesse is now i mean the sec after me been in the band the longest and like someone whose artistic connection and collaboration means so much to me so this is it probably and so i sort of wrote the last album as a backdoor final record and then jesse ended up moving to vancouver even before we did right jesse said like hey i'm moving to vancouver we're like oh okay so all of a sudden i'm like hey there's a future and then when we got here was finally when Penny was like, I just don't think I can keep doing music in this way. Mm-hmm. So she was out and I was like, who knows? And I, you know, I've been friends with Loren this whole time and I love Loren. And I just think is like one of the most wonderful people I know, such an amazing musician. And I was really like, I wonder if we can play music more readily together again. And all of a sudden Jesse and I were just like, what, what if we did this? So we reached back out, brought back in, and it was the three of us. And I was like, this is it. This is the final one. The old version and the new version all together. Yeah. We are tough age. And then I still had an idea that would be the end. And Loren is the one who called me on it where she was like, why would I want to be in a band if you're telling me like we're done or you're telling me we're finished? And it was the final pillar of like, I want to collaborate with people. Nothing has to be finite. And then since then, we asked our friend Wade to join the band. So we're working on new material now with a fourth member again for the first time in eight years. I'm very long-winded about this. I'm sorry. No, no, it's it's fine. You're on the right show. You're on the right show to be (laughs) long-winded. Don't worry. Yeah. I had um, just, you know, a real long journey. And, you know, I'd hope so. You grow up a lot. I mean, when I started this band, I was in my mid-late 20s. And now I'm in my late 30s. You would hopefully be in a different place with yourself. Yeah. And it became much more, yeah, that I don't want a band to be like me and your granny on bongos, like the Marquis Smith uh, philosophy. Mm-hmm. I really want it to be collaborative, but I don't have to keep putting these parameters on what that means. But so for me, like tough, like band names all just become wallpaper. You've had them for a year. Sure. There's no good or bad band name anymore. Like this is the, I just like am hanging out with these people and we make music and we're putting it out under this name and it's not me. And that was the final thing is like, it's not me. This is us. So we get to decide how this goes forward. And that was a real long process. And part of like something that I think having people come in and out was the only way I could learn it because you learn how indispensable people are by treating them as dispensable. By sort of saying like, I got to keep going. You're like, but it's not the same. I need these people. Yeah. You're not the first person I've heard of to do a kind of sort well, not bi-coastal exactly, but I remember famously... And this also came up on that $100 episode. This is so strange. John Ray Fletcher had a John Ray in the River in British Columbia and then moved to Toronto and had a new John Ray in the River with a, with Anne, Anne, Anna? Anne from the BC version also moved to Ontario, I think, to be a mm. part of it. And, um, and then he split Toronto and headed back for different reasons uh, and is now very much making... Uh, I don't even know if he's making music publicly, so to speak. Um, yeah. So there's some, some to that, maybe. I just draw this parallel because you're not the first I've heard of to go on this journey, 
eastward and then decide to come back and keep the band going in some capacity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something to that, and I appreciate your humility and self-awareness. Like, it's not about me. It's about everyone. Um, no, that's cool. I I appreciate that, and I, I, I like the, the fact that, like, I'm happy for you that you were able to convene a version that was sort of of the two worlds and that you mm-hmm. had the good fortune that Jesse... Is Jesse from British Columbia originally? No, Jesse's from uh, Calgary. Oh, he's from Alberta. Okay, right. I, yeah, yeah. I think I knew that. So the luck you had in that Jesse moved from Ontario to, to Vancouver. That's amazing. Like, what are the odds yeah. of that? So, and that? And that was sort of the yeah the first step on that because Jesse had become like, I can't do this without Jesse. Like, yeah. Jesse is like, Jesse and I, like, we've been so close collaborators for so long. Yeah. And so I was like, that's got to be it. So, yeah, all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, no. If Jesse's still around, maybe... That's Maybe great. Yeah. Yeah. I know that Jesse has had some struggles in uh, mm-hmm. recent times. How's he doing? Uh, he's doing well. I, I think I saw him. Um, I haven't seen, him, I guess, last week, but, um, you know, I've been really like working with him and helping him through it. We've been especially like he's taking a break from playing live. So uh, Jay Arner is playing drums live for us at the moment, which has oh, nice. also been a lot of fun because yeah. Jay and I have known each other forever, and I think so much of him. Jay's one but of my so favorite. It, Jay's one of my favorite people. I would say we don't talk very much, but I really love him and his sensibility. And we we became big yeah. fans of his music in my house uh, when my kids were younger, and uh, and then he was very kind with my. He, uh, he and Jess came and. Yeah, it was around the same trip that we're talking about, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Right? right? I remember so, they were hanging out with your kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were very sweet. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's lovely. No, no, no. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I, mean, yeah, I love Jay. I've known Jay forever. Jay is like my, he's been involved in every Tough Age record, recorded the first one, has always either played something or then mastered or been involved. Like, I think, yeah, I respect and love him so much. So it's really great to have him doing that. And we're still like working on new stuff and fitting that in with Jesse. But it was important to me as well, like because he struggles with health things that are also issues I've gone through myself. Yeah. That uh, he he I didn't want to give finish lines. I want him, I want to be there with him and keep working on it because it's yeah he's you know I mean I keep I kept saying to people for seven years I was in a band a lineup of tough age that was just me my wife and Jesse yeah so clearly he's pretty important to me yeah yeah you know someone yeah. like that at the same level that you can be like I'm with my wife this third guy can be here. That'd be lovely. I mean, as a as a GBV <laughs> fan, as a Guided by Voices fan, I, I imagine you're not uh, unaware of the fact that a lineup can change, but the songs and the music mm-hmm. can carry on, and that people might come yeah. and go. I mean, that yeah, maybe. But <laughs> also, is that too on the nose? But I feel like that might be a parallel. No, but I think that also is what taught me how those different lineups influence and impact yeah. so much. Yeah. Because yeah, I seen uh, Bob or GBV like. 62 times oh my live God. or something wow. like yeah. that. When I was a teen, I was following, before the first retirement, Electrifying Conclusion, which I was at, I was going underage in the States to all the, like, I was following them around. Nice. So my first show would have been, like, Universal Truths and Cycles underage in Vancouver at Richards on Richards. And even then was, I think, Jim McCann was on drums. And then the next time, Kevin March is on drums. And then I go and see the Robert Pollard solo shows, which is, he had... Oh, just this nuts band for those. Um, it's like him, Tommy Keen, John Worcester, Jason Arducci, and I can't remember oh, the other guitarist's name. I know he wow. played with like Frank Black, and I can't think of his name. Wow. 
I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But uh, just like all these shows, they're incredible. But they play GBV songs, and they obviously sounded very different from that other lineup. And then I saw the classic reunion, and they played those songs very different. And then you see the new lineup, and like Doug's back, but like it still sounds different because everyone else in the band is different. Yeah. So I think like maybe before I was like, see, you can just get whoever, whoever you need. But also from that, I'm like, but they. It totally changes the personality of the music. Who's playing it? Built to Spill is a similar, very similar example as well. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting. That's an interesting. That's interesting. I am someone who believes in band chemistry, and uh, you know, as someone who likes uh, super- superhero teams to some extent, I like the notion that a band is a band. But I also like the notion of what we we're talking about—that the material can and 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 the personalities involved, those can be a guiding light. And, and carrying things mm-hmm. forward and it can still be impactful and it's different but it's the same it's like a warped yeah, yeah i like that so i'm glad we landed on that and I, I appreciate your insights into it um given all the kind of stuff we've talked about this record is called waiting here and mm-hmm. i wonder if you can uh, in a general sense talk about whether anything we've just discussed the movement the pondering of feelings of of your bandmates you know what life is these days with Penny's departure. Is there uh, from the band? I mean, um, Mm -hmm. is any of that informing your songwriting on this record? Oh yeah, (laughs) for sure. So it's a lot. No, no. Yeah. So waiting here was a song too, that um, had, I had just put up on Bandcamp a few years ago that we had recorded with Penny, the bed tracks of, and then I, I recorded the rest, which is why it's sort of lo-fi versus the rest of the album. And I really want it as the capper. But I had done it, and it was like supposed to be the next. We we're going to self-record and do this thing that was right after "Which Way Am I?" And then the pandemic happened, and you're like, "Well, that plan's on hold." And that was really it. I'm like, I'm waiting, and the the idea of of uh, not being, not yet having achieved where you're going, or just being stuck in sort of stagnation, like waiting for things to resolve. Which unfortunately became a a big thing around this whole album, anyways. Yeah. Became much bigger. Was sort of the concept of the record. It was like, how do you get stuck in place from uh, both externally and internal pressures? So a lot of the lyrical themes on the record are around, like, yeah, the idea of being stuck waiting and like being like when is when is things going to happen? Or even you know the opposite is the song "Getting Closer," which is very long and told you i think too much about it the vocals come in so far into it it's like you have to wait and wait and wait for the for that to come and it's all about like when are we going to get yeah. there and so it, it is very it's like so much of the lyrical theme of the record is all around yeah being being stuck in place i see okay so and that, that's how the name came about i didn't know what to name it and i think it was even penny was like it seems like it's called waiting here so like, some oh, measure, yeah. some measure of I think anticipation, but restlessness and uncertainty and all these sorts mm-hmm. of things, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and that's like you know we um, this is our first album not for Mint Records, and uh, that was a thing too where it was just like oh like is it even going to come out like who's going to do it or like we were the motivation the other way we're like well we love this album we're gonna put it on cassette and sell it ourselves if that's yeah. what we have to do but saying it was like the delay of like oh you know you expect something's happening a certain way 
and then it changes and it sort of everything like that is just a knock on or you kick the can down the road for the finish line Hmm. and so it's like every stage of this has been like that and then even through this because we were with everything that was going on with jesse and with figuring out where it was coming like we're still waiting it's like i want to be out touring this record but like we haven't been able to start committing to booking anything so you're like well i'm waiting again i'm waiting again like yeah yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, it's very funny to have an album out, have it out. It feels really good. And but yeah, so it just got so meta. Everything became about the theme of the album. You mentioned the Mint Records thing there, and I I wasn't quite certain about that. Uh, is this just a business boring behind the scenes business thing, or is there a reason it's not on Mint? Uh, I don't. You know. Part of growing is that I think I certainly would have like run my mouth a lot about it beforehand. The reality is, is like, you know, I'm very thankful to everyone I worked with at Mint over the years for what they did for us. Uh, Everyone's left a job, you know, everyone's had a job they liked that they left. And I don't want to say it's a job, but, you know, even if you still love it, sometimes the situation becomes untenable for you to continue there. Uh, And yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, God bless them. I hope it keeps going and everything keeps going well, but um, the community I made through Mint was like so important to yeah. uh, me and music, and yeah, I'm like I yeah I would never wanna I'd never wanna say anything bad against them, and okay. also <laughs> I was very excited to be having this opportunity and like to work with Bobo Integral. Like when I start, we started talking to Gonzalo, who runs that label, who also has a fantastic band I love called Boys of Perpetual Nervousness. So like the Feelies reference point mm-hmm. we both have. I think that label just puts out so many amazing records. So for me, it's like a label that's put out, uh, you know, the first Ducks Limited uh, record put out. Uh, I love uh, uh, the Elrickman record they put out. Um, it's so great. Uh, and Boys of Perpetual Nervousness records. Field School, a band from Olympia that I really like. like uh, the Motorist record, of course. Jesse, who Jesse had used to play drums in that band as well. It's like so many albums that I really love. Um uh, it's like such a great label and his enthusiasm for the record. Like he would came in and was just like, these are the singles. This is what we do. Like, oh, I love nice. it. Like this yeah. is that it. it's been really, really um, nice and sort of exciting. And maybe part of that is like, like why not just change it up and like work with someone, uh, yeah. someone who wants to do it. And yeah, it's been really nice. And I've seen it like getting into circles that maybe we weren't in before or other places. And like, it's very exciting. We've never toured Europe. So you know we're working waiting we're stuck on it but we're trying to get that together and go yeah. over and play shows yeah it's great I, I, one door closes uh oh no i went desperate bicycles another <laughs> shuts. <laughs> in theory one should open yeah but. well congratulations you seem like you're in a good place so that all sounds good it all sounds positive oh. you mentioned european touring king of the segways mm-hmm. here again for you everybody <laughs> uh what's coming up next uh, for a tough age at this point, I wanted to ask about road work if if that's something that's forthcoming, yeah. and also if you're already working on new stuff. Can you talk about those things? Yeah, I want to tour really badly, but um, it's become a very hard landscape to tour as someone without a booker. We do not. I've always just booked our tours, and again, that sort of level we're at, where we're a lot of people perceive us as being. Like, not too big to play small shows and then too small to play big shows. 
I'm like, oh, where are we stuck at? I'm like, do you know that I used to just move 200 comic boxes out of the way and set up a PA so I could throw <laughs> punk shows where I paid the bands all the money? Yeah. And I've been doing that for 30 years? Yeah. Please. But also because I'm getting older, a lot of my peers or people around me either got successful or hung it up. Yeah. So booking is hard because I'm sort of almost starting from zero, even though you've booked 5,000 shows for other bands, you've all your contacts are gone. Yeah. So I was trying and it's been really, really difficult. I We want to be touring like tomorrow if we can. Okay. So I'm hoping that a bigger thing's coming. We're trying to get some smaller things together. Um, we went and played Sled Island again, which had been a long time for us and was such a great show and such a great show in Calgary. Like I do want to come back and do Calgary Edmonton pretty soon yeah. because it's there and it's easy to do. But yeah, we're hoping, hoping to get it going. Europe, in theory, later this year, uh, we're working on that. Worst case, early next year. But I want to get over there for Gonzalo. You know, like we owe him putting out the record. I want to be there and supporting it there. Yeah, we had our friend Wade join the band, so we are wor- I, working. We got like an album worth of stuff already, and it's seeing what sticks, throwing some away. But working on that and on this new setup with the four piece has been really exciting uh, to have that. So yeah, I'm just like just keep keep the train moving. Like I always say, like you just got to keep going, even if you end up sort of like, you know, it's like get you get to the airport early. Make sure you're prepared. Get to the airport early, and then maybe your flight gets delayed, but <laughs> sure. you'll get on that plane eventually. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm happy for you, uh, Jared, and I'm I'm glad we we have we've had this chat. If people want to learn more about Tough Age, where would you like to kind of send them using the things that we use right now? Huh. Well, and thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, and it's uh, always a pleasure. So uh, nice to see you Oh, no, it's again. Ab- yeah. absolutely my pleasure. And, and for all our belly aching about uh, the demise of Twitter, this was because <laughs> you tweeted out. Yeah. Uh, does anyone want to talk? I want to talk about my music. And I was like, sure, let's do that again. And then uh, here we are. So yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I'm close to leaving the, the – I want to leave the platform, but I, I'm not sure yeah. uh, as someone who needs to promote things all the time if that's a wise – uh, decision exactly but anyway lovely uh that that worked out and so quickly uh, i feel like we were just corresponding about this last week yeah. um so twitter is maybe one I'm around twitter destiny. yeah i'm running yeah. to the ground and i am not moving a blue i'm not gonna go on some other rich person's horrible format it's the this same guy i'm on it now i yeah. got an invite from my friend roly uh, cadence weapon on the weekend and i'm like all right fine i better get on it before i can't and uh yeah I, now I got to start all over again. I got very few yeah. followers, and I'm like, I don't. I have all There's of them. I have Hive and Mastodon. I, I've got them all. I'm not <laughs> using them, and uh, so we'll see. Maybe we're all done. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'll run into the ground, and when it's gone again, I'm like the the bliss, the bliss of forgetfulness will be on us, and that's yes. there's paradise by another name. That's it. Is like accepting <laughs> right. the demise of something. You're like. The end of something is just like a bliss in that yes. way. So, yes. but we are still on there. I'm running my mouth, giving my opinions. Um, we're on Instagram, of course. You know, the other rich person's platform, Tough Age Band, and I'm doing some uh, oversharing right now about the process behind the songs on this record. I just started on this week. We have no PR, so mostly it's yeah, it's just me talking on these platforms. But uh, you know, listen to it. Buy it if you want. If you don't want, it's still, you know, music has been devalued to be free. Mm-hmm. In one way, that's very great. It's very accessible. So, you know what? Go listen to it on Spotify. Maybe then someone will book us on a tour. You get enough listeners there. They're like, oh, this band's pretty good. 
Yeah, um, I guess that's true. Yeah, I took my yeah. show off of Spotify, and I just found out as we're speaking, it got yeah. back on there through some feed thing, and I'm trying to get rid of it again, get it off of there because I don't like the company. But that's neither here nor there. Oh yeah, they are I, not I, great, I, but it's it's you're tied to all these things, and that's I'm like, oh, I'm going to be like, Apple Music, like title, like yeah. As somebody gets the payments, I I don't know how it is for podcasting. Um, None, but zero. Uh, okay, Shoot. there's no royalties like unless <laughs> yeah. you get paid by the companies or you get a lot of ads yeah yeah. And, yeah, yeah so it's the same nothing. for me. I'm like, yeah. I my ways that I indignantly will never pay for it, uh, and that's how I make my stand. I'm like, I'll listen to your Billie Eilish ad to listen to today's top hits playlist till the cows come home. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm just around on social media, running my mouth much like this, and the music's all at Bandcamp and Spotify, yeah. anywhere anywhere you want to stream it. Um, you can buy the record in Canada on We Are Time, which is Jesse and uh, Chandra's label, and then worldwide from Boba Integral. Um. Yeah, I'm okay. very accessible. Toughageband at gmail dot com. Write me. I will. I'll talk to anyone about anything. Said you want to talk about GBV lineups? I can talk about that for a week. It's been great. I'll uh, I'll link to some of the things you just said. That sounds great. Thank yeah. you for being so open and accessible. Uh, if we can go out in a song, you did a nice little segue there yourself. I noticed you reference paradise by another name but i'm not going to ask a leading question here is there a song from the new album that we can go out on uh jared and if so can you pick one for us and and tell us why you chose it sure i won't pick that to be just because you know i'm tough but the song scattered is a very important one to me on this record um it ended up again taking on a lot more meaning as it went on was the song really about me reconciling with the worst parts of myself and was also the only exception to my rule uh, when recording and the only song that we recorded the bed tracks for more than three times because we were like we got to get it right so I was very proud of how it all came together it's really like the three of us worked and worked and got this final product that we were all so happy with and Peter uh, the bottle garden was uh, so important on this one too so it feels the most like representational of this thing i said were like it couldn't have existed without loren jesse peter and i all working on this song at the same time so yeah well and pondering the lyrics it does seem to be a song where you're addressing yourself the the mm-hmm. use of you is really maybe you this one is definitely me yeah okay sure. talking to yourself <laughs> in a way i suppose so let's dig deep uh, everyone listening on maybe some of these lyrics just to pick up on what I, I'm going to leave it vague and let you guys figure it out. Uh, this is a, a, a great song called Scattered by Tough Age from their beautiful uh, new album, Waiting Here, obviously available now. Jared, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for making time for me on my show. It really means a lot, and uh, I hope we speak again soon. Best of luck in the future. Thank you. Everything you just said, repeated. I appreciate it so much, Peach. Thank you so much for having me. Trying to get along yourself Easier said than done Leading something out that's gone Waiting just outside Waiting just outside Waiting just outside Never ask one thing 
I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Very nice to have Jared back on Creative Control, this time for the 797th episode of the show to talk about Tough Age. That was fun. Uh, this show is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts, pretty much. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm several months behind on, I'm sorry. It's just been a busy time. Did you know I got a new job? I got a new job, like a day job? It's not really, I don't like to talk about my job too much on the show, but you know, I had to get a new job. It's been a busy time. I, you don't need to hear about that. Anyway, it's taken a while for me to write a newsletter. I'll do it soon. Anyway, if you want to learn about all of that stuff, go to my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Or you can follow me on uh, Twitter and, uh, well, on Twitter and Instagram at vishkana. I'm also on uh, Blue Sky and Mastodon and TikTok and all the other things too. But you just have to find uh, me. It's just look for vishkana and. There are other Vishkanas. You, you might be surprised, but there are lots of us. But I'm me, and you know who I am. You'll figure it out. Anyway, 
follow me if you want. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast running. Uh, $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, you can message me on Patreon. If you're at that $6 range there and above, I'll get you one while supplies last. Now, you don't have to donate $6, whatever amount you can afford. It could be more, it could be less. You can change it at any time. That's the beauty of it. So please, if you can, support Creative Control on Patreon today. It means a lot. Thank you. Thanks again to the excellent Alberta record store, Blackbird Music. They have locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and a great website where you can order things. It's blackbird.ca. You could order the new Tough Age record. Waiting here. Why not? You just heard us talking about it. Go there and get it. That's one way to get it if you don't want to get on Bandcamp or whatever. So yeah, support local record stores if you can, like Blackbird Music. Also, I want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jared from Tough Age. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll consider subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends about it and maybe they'll do the same stuff that you do that would be appreciated otherwise i will talk to you soon listen to tough age buy the records be well bye for now Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.